Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we are going off the script and just having a heart-to-heart conversation with all of you. It is a bit difficult for all of us to focus right now and with everything that's going on in the world and in our own communities. So Lori and I just want to sit down with all of you and just chat. Nothing too serious, nothing scripted, just two resellers getting to share their thoughts, ideas, and experiences with all of you during this unsettling time. We hope you guys enjoy it. Ah, somber beginning. (laughs) I know, I know. Sorry for that really sad intro, guys. Sounds like a funeral. I know that was just so funny as I as it, came out. it was almost difficult to read. Oh man, that's too funny. Um, well, I guess it it is what it is. And um, what's been going on, Daniela? Tell huh. us about your week. Um, so I've been working a lot and working mm-hmm. from home. Um, it's just there's. Are you permanently home now? No. Oh God. No. Oh, I didn't think so. Just no. home on the weekends. Yeah. On the weekend. I didn't go in this weekend. I, I worked from home for a few hours yesterday and I worked a little bit this morning and I'll probably sign on a little bit later and work a few more hours. Um, no, I'm not mandated to work on the weekend. It's not like they're forcing us to do it, but you know, we're all doing our part and 98% of us are working from home. It probably makes your life easier on Monday too, if you can check some boxes off during the weekend, I would imagine. Yeah. And there's just so many calls coming in. And one of my responsibilities is just to go through all the voicemails that are coming in on a hotline that we have set up and um, kind of forwarding those off to the staff members that are working in the building over the weekend. So we have staff members that are processing claims and stuff that are there on the weekend. So I'm just forwarding them information of what's coming in and maybe someone that kind of needs attention ASAP. So, you know, I don't have, and are they mostly unemployment claims? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a mix, but a lot of it is, is the unemployment claims that are coming in. And, and then there's also people calling that just kind of have questions, whether it's commerce questions or um, business related questions. And we can't answer them all because I mean, we each do our own each department does their own thing. So we have departments that are dedicated to business and commerce and all that. So, I mean, we have general answers for people, but if they want further clarification on items, we kind of direct them where they have to go. So what a wild, wild time to be in your profession right now. Yeah, it's crazy. So we don't have any policies or procedures put in place for a pandemic because it's never happened. Right. And this is across the Mm -hmm. nation. It's not just where I am. No one is prepared for this. So we're all just kind of make, not that we're making it up as we go, but we're creating the policies as we go and we're figuring out how to handle the workload and how to somehow streamline it. And IT has been working very closely with us. So like we're rolling things out with IT as as we're creating these policies and procedures. And it's just crazy. It's really crazy. Um, It definitely will prepare us for anything that may happen in the future. You know, we're trying to get binders together so that, you know, even 20 years down the line, this were to happen again or something similar to this were to happen again, there's at least something written down. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for all the work you're doing. And I feel like I think of you sometimes because everybody's posting about, um, 
you know, working from home and stay yeah. home. And like, that's the message. And I'm like, oh, Daniela would probably love to stay home today, you know, and I kind of feel for you. And I mean, especially for the nurses and the professionals getting sick while they're working, it's, it's just crazy. But for those of us who do have the control to stay home, it's really the best place for all of us. Um, yeah. So, wow. What have you been doing, Lori? Tell me. Um, I've been plugging along. You know, we are taking it day by day here. Yesterday, we decided to get some fresh air. Um, my kids have different levels of self-regulating. <laughs> I'm trying to think <laughs> how I can put this nicely. Um, so, you know, Angie's like been running and Anthony is still in class. So he's doing some work um, online and he tends to keep himself busy. He's up, he showers, he's just like, and then there's Rocco. And there's Rocco and it's like <laughs> two o'clock and I'm trying to drag his butt out of bed. And um, so yesterday we said, we're going and they're like, what do why? And they, they all start rumbling, but we decided to go to the Quabbin Reservoir, which is out by UMass Amherst, which mm-hmm. is like an hour and 20 minutes from my house. And the kids wanted to drive separately and just do their own thing, which we were fine with. We're like, we don't care. We just want you to be together and we need to get out of this house. And we were basically like, you can come willingly or we can drag you. It was one of those things with Rocco. She's like, I'm going to yell the next time I come to your room or you can like put some shoes on and meet us in the car. So after all of the grumbling, we got in there. And actually we, um, our area has more cases. Like there's Suffolk County and Middlesex County and Suffolk County is Boston and we're in Middlesex and we have more cases um, I think Boston just caught up with us, but I think we had more than Boston. Oh, wow. Um, and so we went to UMass, which has very few cases out in Western Mass. So we're like, well, if we're going to get takeout and we're going to get fresh air, we might as well go far away from home and make a day. But so we did. And we went for a long, long hike. It was so great. The fresh air was great. There were, you know, we had to practice social distancing. There were other families there because it's, it's, it was like the only beautiful day this week and it's raining today. So that was great. But generally just day by day, cooking a lot, eating a lot, very not on keto this week. And we were just discussing before we got on how much bread we've been eating. Um, but you know, we, we got word. This was, I feel like I hit my wall for the first time. I cried for the first time this week. Um, I feel like I, I just hit a wall. Um, the governor came on, said no school until May 4th, dealt with the kids on that. Um, Anthony's definitely not going back to school. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, we don't know if Angie's going to have a graduation ceremony. And every time I think of that, it makes me want to cry. I'm actually great. Like I'm doing fine. I'm very sad for my kids. I'm very sad for the seniors in high school this year. And I know it's like a first world problem, but like they don't get a do over, you know, they just, right. they don't get to do this over again. They canceled prom, but we have a junior prom in our district. So it's going to be in the fall. So as sad as that is, those juniors will still get their prom in the fall. Angie may not have a graduation and that just breaks my heart. So we started a Facebook group for parents of seniors to try to see what we can do um, just to make it a little better for them. So I'm good. Business is down about 75%. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I just kind of say that and keep on moving because what what am I going to do? I'm trying to do more of YouTube content and um, just kind of pivot and lean into other things and do what I can. Yeah, I, I have to say, I just can't focus on Poshmark, and I just made an Instagram post about it. Like, I just can't. I can't right now. There's no possible way that I can put any time or effort into it because I'm working long hours and I just don't care right now. You know, like I, it's not mm-hmm. that, and, and it's not my main source of income. 
So for right. me to just kind of let it go on the back burner for a little bit is totally fine. I would like to be making sales so that I can continue to grow my savings and start, you know, and, and continue that process of paying things off and whatnot. But, uh, you know, the times just don't allow for it and it is what it is, you know. It's true. And I, I feel like right now you and I are pretty blessed to be able to put Poshmark on the back burner or mm-hmm. not have the stress of what that pays for right now. But I suspect that a lot of people listening to us are full-time right. and are paying the bills and buying groceries with their business. And I've been really inspired by a lot of people who are posting you know, what we can do, what things are selling right now. So there's been a lot about you know, selling puzzles and board games and loungewear and slippers and, you know, just what are things in your house that you can source, you know, from your medicine cabinet. Well, maybe that's a bad choice of words from your like health and beauty stuff. <laughs> see. I don't like suggest you medicine. selling medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Poor choice of words. Yeah. So yeah. So shopping and just, you know, what things, what I have been really inspired in general by, by the kindness of people, the outpouring of um, companies doing things differently to help out. And, you know, with regards to work, like if, if it's just like people who are out there saying, Hey, I want to share your closet or, you know, you having a sale for people and offering people who might want to shop a better value. And it's just, people are getting creative and it's really nice to see. And my heart goes out to people who um, are struggling right now. Yeah. I mean, I just put out there that all my bundles probably into for the next two or three weeks, I haven't officially said that yet, are going to be 50% off because I just, I just want to clear out all the inventory that I have because I know I'm not going to be able to just take care of it and deal with it. And I don't want to see it. And it's just not a priority to me right now because this, this pandemic is going to go on for a while um, mm-hmm. and work is going to be very busy for a very long time. I, we're first so it's good timing for that. It is. So I'm foreseeing not really being able to do much with reselling, or maybe I shouldn't say that. I'll be able to do reselling to a different capacity than I am now or that I have been doing. So my 500 listings are going to have to probably dwindle down to like 200 or 250. So um, well, so I'm curious, like, why do they, why would they have to dwindle if, if like, why do you have to, are you going to remove them or? No, I, I want to saying in an, like, so if people are buying your bundle sales, like you're hoping to just like cut that in half. Yeah. Because I, bundle sales. I don't gotcha. want having all the inventory in my space is giving me anxiety right now. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. It is I, like, I can't, I just don't want to look at it. And, um, I just needed to move. I need, I need the money to start because we're really ramping up um, our savings. And I just want that money to be in an account and not sitting in a pile, knowing that I can't even be aggressive with like cross listing or anything like that. So mm-hmm. um, I might just mm-hmm. end up, I don't know. We'll see if the 50%, if people don't buy my bundles at 50% off, then I'm probably going to put a big chunk of all this stuff in a thread up bag and, and just toss it over there just to make something. That's on. a good idea. Because I, I honestly feel like too, like when push comes to shove, if we were all to start with zero tomorrow, I think nobody would have a problem building things back up. Like, right. That never seems to be the problem, like going out and sourcing and getting stuff. I mean, it is right, right now, but I'm saying if during this time people did reduce their inventory a little bit, um, there, there would certainly be many opportunities to build it back up. And I've heard of people who actually donate or just seriously liquidate 
every few years. I think people have been in this game for a long time. And then they, they do, they just kind of press the reset button and start over. Which wouldn't be, a, would bad be a lot thing. for me because I, I have, no, I mean, it wouldn't. If, if you want like a fresh new look on your closet and you want to go from there, but it's pretty extreme. I don't know that I would, that's pretty extreme for me, but um, definitely downsizing a little bit might be a good idea. But hopefully there are a couple sales rolling in for people. And since we're not outsourcing that, um, you know, our inventory is going to lighten up a little bit. Yeah, I've definitely God been willing. relisting a lot. That's been my thing. Like when I'm laying in bed, I'm, I'm the only thing I'm doing with Poshmark is relisting like two or three items every night when I'm in bed before I fall asleep. That, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And I have been actually much better about cross-listing. And I know that that has saved a lot of people too, is cross-posting to different platforms. And for me, that's cross-posting from Poshmark to eBay using Vendu. And um, it's just, it just makes me feel good. Like, okay, well that, that's some contribution to my business. And um, I haven't been listing as much, but I've been consistently listing. I would say on average, I'm listing more like three or four items a day, as opposed to like the seven to 15 items I was listing in the month of February. The timing of this while all was pretty interesting too, because I just liquidated so many things right. and gotten rid of everything. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like everything... Life has slowed down a little bit, um, but there have been some really beautiful things that have come up because of that and some not so beautiful things. And we're just kind of getting through. I have a question for you, Lori. So the stuff that you have in the consignment store that you've been working with, what, what's the game yes. with that? Have you been in contact with them? Um, you know, I kind of just let it go. I haven't talked to them. I don't believe they're open right now because they aren't an essential business. So I don't know that I could, I mean, there's probably an email I could message them at. The last time I visited, I had like a $75 credit. Um, I don't know what they'll do because the way that their store functions, um, I believe it's similar to like a Buffalo exchange where they price it at one thing in a month later or however many days, weeks later, it goes down a percentage and then another lowering. And then I believe it's donated or maybe returned to me. I haven't worked with them long enough to know. So I don't know if say they're closed for a month or two months, if they will extend the time, but the tickets are already made and on the clothing. Yeah. So I may just have to take that hit. If, if all that stuff just sits in the consignment store, if, and when they reopen like in a month or two, um, it will already be ready for markdown. I don't know that they will go in and reticket everything in their store. That seems like that would be an awful lot. So that's probably going to be a loss for me. But, you know, what are you going to do? Right. It is what it is. I mean, even in terms of the real, real, I have two boxes that are sitting in my closet that I can't send. I mean, I could, but they're not going to process anything. It's just sitting there. Um, so yeah, I sent them, they received my box like overnight. They got it really fast. They picked it up on Friday and I got a message last evening that said they had received it, but, um, I know that they closed their Bay area warehouse. Yes. And so now they have their New Jersey one, but their New Jersey one is working on limited hours. So they did say, you know, I think it's like an additional four weeks to process. And I had already contacted my representative to send me an additional label, because um, I just had found more after I created my list and after she sent me the first label. And it was really a matter of, I just couldn't fit it in the box size that I had. Right. So I needed a new label because my box was just ready to split open. Um, and I decided to wait. She sent me the labels, but I decided to wait. I want to see 
what they price this stuff at since it was my first experience with the real real i'm curious to see what they price it at i'm curious to see what they accept what they don't accept before i go and pull a whole other round and then send it to the real real again so yeah i'm being patient with that i think being patient right now is pretty important yeah i think i'm just gonna let it sit and we'll see how april goes and you know, just kind of go from there. I mean, the boxes aren't going to go anywhere, right? They're sitting in my closet. Whether I send them this month, next month, or the following month, it doesn't matter. Um, but it would be inventory out of your space, so that might help be. your anxiety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that might help. I don't know if my anxiety is due to the inventory, if it's just due to everything that's going on right now. I think it's a mix of both. Because I look at my inventory and I yeah, literally I, in my stomach, <laughs> just looking at it all. And most of it's oh. because I just don't, well, I don't have the space, right? Like, I'm not in a house right now, so it's hard for me who's a very, you know, I'm a very organized person. And to just stare at it all the time, I'm like, I can't, like, I don't have the space yeah. to put it anywhere. And I can't even organize it any better than what I have right now. Like getting more bins isn't going to save my, isn't, isn't going to save my anxiety or anything. It's just more bins is going to add more clutter. And I just, sure. I, don't I think it's tricky for anybody with anxiety. <sighs> I'm, I, I don't know if that's a figure of speech or if you actually have anxiety, but my, one of my, my son, Anthony, definitely gets very anxious about stuff. And I think that right now, there's very little anybody can control. So if like your inventory is something you can control, then that's probably going to give you some peace. And I know yep. for Anthony, he is a kid. I feel like he can handle every anything as long as he knows when it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is like the worst thing ever because he doesn't know if he's going to go back to school this summer. They got to notice yesterday that the, all the fall college football, which is like life at Penn State. Right. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but Angie got into Penn State. So she'll be joining Anthony Yay. next year in the fall. So happy about that. Yes. But um, she, they, she, they can't wait for the football games. And they yeah. got a notice yesterday that they're bumping. At first, like lit, there were literal tears in Western Mass because a text message came through and it said something about the football season being postponed or canceled or whatever. And everybody overreacted. And I said, why doesn't everybody calm down and actually read what the article says? And what the article said, because people, their phones were lighting up from fellow students sending them this article. And what it said was that they were bumping the training. Um, you know, they can't start right. playing football and practicing until like, I don't know if it was July or August or whatever. But, you know, so that potentially meant the season was going to get bumped. You know, but I, I feel like this is what's happening. Like nobody can make any real decisions. And I think that's really adding to a lot of people's anxiety because you, you can't plan anything right now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have learned throughout the years how to deal with my anxiety because I can, can be a very anxious person, but I'm, I'm also very level-headed at the same time, even though that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, no, that but makes sense. I, I, I can handle it. And right now I'm in a place where because work is so crazy and life is so crazy and I'm constantly worrying about everyone around me. And I'm like the go-to person to go out to get everything because I'm already out anyway and I'm already in the workplace. Everyone else is home. So like, you know, making sure that I'm getting everything I need for everyone and still keeping myself safe while I'm putting myself at risk by going out there, you know, and there's just, there's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, about sports for a second because I'm a huge sports fan for all of you that yes. know that I <laughs> you love are. sports. Um mm -hmm. and that's because of my dad. I grew up just watching sports and car racing and all that stuff all the time. I'm I'm handling it okay because they're they're showing sports on TV. I mean it's old games, but whatever. But I have a feeling come 
time for football season, right? Because that's later on in the year. You figure training camp and everything starts in August. Yeah. I think that I think there's going to be a dramatic shift in the way that football season's even going to be come September. I don't think they're going to allow a ton of people to be tailgating. To, you know, like I am curious to see how that shift is going to be. Oh, we are like on pins and needles, like with regards to Penn State. Like we yeah. were discussing that very same thing yesterday. Sorry, resellers who aren't interested in sports. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reality. <laughs> um, but we were saying like, my opinion is if, um, you know, if the kids are allowed to go back in the fall and mm. if there is football, why don't they just say, I mean, this sounds simple to me and obviously very biased because I'm pro my children. Why don't they just let the students attend these football games? Like if, if right. they are deemed safe to go back to school, then they're all together anyways, swapping air and spit and other things. Right, um, right, right. So if they're there, then why not just let the students go to the football game? Because this the student section is a small section of Penn State. I mean, that's like the second largest stadium in the country, third in the world, um, Beaver Stadium. It's massive. So um it is so let the students go in and maybe spread out. Maybe, you know, you have to have three seats between you. I don't know. But even I don't like I know in Pennsylvania there's like a curfew. We went to Dunkin' Donuts yesterday to get coffee and they closed at four o'clock. Any sort of parameter or boundary that can be put up to decrease contact has to be helpful. I mean, I don't know if there's a medium. I don't know if it's all or nothing or if it will still be all or nothing in the fall. But yeah, I'm wondering what they're going to do for on a professional level. I don't know. Maybe they just let season ticket holders go. I have no idea what they're going to do. But yeah, the, yeah, all of these questions are going to come up, like how we assimilate back into some level of socializing without over socializing. And is that even possible? Like, I, I don't, I really, I don't, I know. don't know how we're going to handle this, but even, okay. So let's talk about thrift stores since we're on the topic of how do we socialize again? How do stores then handle us coming back in and shopping? I think there's going to be new rules and regulations put in place until we know that we're in the clear. Now, I don't think we're going to be in the clear of this virus for a very long time. I think it's probably going to take a good 12 to 15 months before we can say, okay, we've, we've beaten this quote unquote, beaten it. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what does that, what does that mean? I mean, like I just said about Duncan's, I think the way that stores might be able to handle it is just limited hours or maybe a different capacity max, you know, maybe if their normal capacity is 250 people in the store, maybe it's now 125 and they have somebody at the door and, you know, sorry, we need space for people. And I know in Massachusetts, they have the stanchions set up six feet apart at the register, but I mean, you know, there's only so much people can do. So those, those would be really interesting things. You know what, something I've been thinking about related to thrifting and, um, thrift stores in general is I can't imagine the amount of stuff they're going to receive in donations when they're back open. And my fear is that a ton is just going to get thrown away. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where things go. Like, and I'm sure Savers has a different process than the Goodwill, than your mom and pop shots, but you figure all of these people are cooped up in their home. I'm assuming many of us are going through closets, cabinets. Yep getting so like the norm you know say in my house if I'm somebody who doesn't resell and it's like a normal spring I may have three bags to donate and then I donate them well now that I'm home I may have eight bags to donate and I can't donate them so they sit 
And then when the stores open, these stores have not processed anything. And all of a sudden they are just having this massive influx of donations. Like, how are they going to handle that? Like, I'm really, really curious. And I don't know that I'll get an answer. I mean, maybe I could go on YouTube and see if somebody does a talk about it, but like, (laughs) like somebody like a goodwill, some representative, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I mean, will the bins be hopping because there'll be so, so much? Will they open new uh, Goodwill outlets in different areas to process all this stuff? I'm really genuinely curious to see what's going to happen with it all because once production starts up in any area, it's going to be fascinating to see how it happens. I think that we're going to see the pricing structure change because there is more supply so you need to move those products, right? And the True. best way to move it is to make the pricing um, something more affordable, that, right? More yeah. affordable and yeah. just more enticing to the people that are coming into your store. That's so actually maybe, a really good point. So maybe you'll see like fill a bag or maybe you'll see things that Savers normally doesn't do that they'll do. Maybe they'll do like, a, I don't know. Maybe they'll do more fifty percent offs. I don't know. Maybe they change. Well, the way yeah, they I was just going to say right, right the week before. Sorry to interrupt you, but the week before they um, did start closing stores, my savers just had like a random fifty percent off sale, and I think they knew it was coming, and the stores were already pretty dead. And I think they were just like, "Let's get rid of what we can now before things close." And it wasn't a scheduled fifty percent like their typical right. Monday fifty percent off sale on like President's Day. It was a very random sale. And and um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll see a lot more of that. That makes sense because they also have the capabilities of just having a sale whenever. I mean, all all the regular retailers are sending. Oh my god! Discount. So many emails. So many emails. So many emails, and um, and we're doing the same thing. You're offering fifty yeah. percent off your bundles. I'm sending out super aggressive offers. I mean, everybody um, is doing it. But uh, I still hold true to. I still feel very blessed that what I do for my full-time job is work from home on e-commerce because that's where it's at right now. (laughs) Um, I'm actually just, I just finished editing. I just have to do all the links. Um, I, my video um, that goes out today for YouTube is on um, the products that I use all the time because people ask me all the time and I'm terrible about linking them in my YouTube videos, like the worst. And um, so I just am dedicating an entire video to what I, what Amazon products I use. And then I talk about the Amazon affiliate program. I was, that's why I was asking you before the call, because I'm, I said last week um, that anybody can sign up for the affiliate program. And when I looked into it further, um, there are some parameters like people with a YouTube channel or a website or um, a blog. But what I don't know is if people who have a Poshmark URL, because it is a website per se, like you have a clickable link to your quote unquote website for Poshmark. I don't know if that qualifies and my fingers are crossed that it does because I feel like right now Amazon is like through the roof and they're hiring so many new people and it would just be a great time to be a part of the affiliate program. It's super low commission, like one to 10%, but it's commission. So like I just got my first cash out on Amazon affiliate and I think I've been doing it for two or three months and it was $30. And so it's not a ton of money, but it's something, you know, like I feel like if it's, if it's $10, it's something, if, you know, what, whatever it is. And, um, it's anything people buy with your affiliate link. So it has right. to be within 24 hours. But if I, if I recommend a steamer and people click on my link and go to the steamer and then decide to buy, you know, toilet paper, 
(laughs) (laughs) I couldn't resist. Um, Then, you know, you would still get to do, so you could like call your, your mom and friends and cousins and have them go through your affiliate link completely unrelated to what we do in reselling. So I just feel like hopefully that will be helpful. And and I'm, I'm really have my fingers crossed that it will work for a Poshmark website. But if not, like a lot of people are setting up those Shopify sites, which I think are pretty quick to do, like the real basic ones, um, that would count. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I mean, I I probably should do that at some point and see if I can use my Poshmark link and then I'll let everyone know. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean, that might be like something for you to think about as somebody who can't really focus on Poshmark right now. Um, if you could set up an affiliate program, it's kind of like set it and forget it. You know, you, yeah. you do it, you give your links, and then you go from there. Yeah. Trying to get creative. People have to get creative right now. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's something I should do. You know, I have some other ideas too, after talking to Kristen too last week, and I've had an idea of having a website for a while. This is, you know, it's nothing new, but um, I have this idea in my head of how I want to create it, but I just don't have the time or energy to focus on that right now. And I think mm-hmm. that'll be like my new wave of how I'll resell, um, maybe kind of pull a little bit away from Posh, maybe not be a hundred percent Poshmark eBay kind of thing, and and maybe be like a sixty forty split kind of thing. I don't know. I have. Yeah, I, have I mean, I think it's like anything. It would be a new stream of income for you, right? I mean, like yeah. multiple streams. You would have some on the real, real, some a tradesy, eBay, Poshmark, and website. You know, it all yeah. just be a piece of the pie. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So we put some questions out for listeners this week um, on our Instagram page. Thank you for doing that, Daniela. And we have some, <laughs> this first question makes me laugh. So we can shift into our questions from our listeners unless there's anything else. No, I think I'm good. You want to go through? Okay. Yeah, let's do so it. what are some ugly items you have found at the thrift store? That's so <laughs> funny. I know. Um, I have to think about it because I don't. I tend to go past the ugly items and don't even look at them. <laughs> well, you know the expression like ugly sells. So if it's like yeah. really off the wall, um, I have one that's actually like, I thought it was funny, but some people might argue that it was ugly, um, but it was a onesie for men. Um, and for, you know, the brand Chubby's like that frat yeah. boy preppy brand. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was like, a onesie that like full zip, like they got in it with like a front pocket, I believe, and a hoodie. And it was really outrageous. And this, I actually purchased that in an estate sale for $5. And along with like a chubby's robe with like martini glasses on it. But when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, someone is going to love this. And I was right. (laughs) It got a ton of attention. I think I had it listed for like $50 for a while. I think it ended up selling for like $35. But um, whenever my 
whenever my kids have friends sleep over, they sleep in the basement. We have like a pellet stove and a couch down there. And that's right where my office is. And oh my gosh, the things that they do with my inventory sometimes when I'm asleep, like I woke up and Rocco's best friend had like a whole photo shoot in the man onesie that they shared with me in the morning. <laughs> like you guys, this is my inventory. I probably shouldn't share that. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. But yeah, so that was, that was a funny one. And Marcus looked hysterical in it. Um, <laughs> Pretend like you didn't hear that guys. <laughs> I know. Right. No, I promise it was clean. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that was a funny one. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't, I feel like at the bins, I find a, a lot of ugly stuff, like really ugly vintage sweaters that I that prob- people probably think are beautiful. But for me, I'm like, oh God, who would ever wear this? But I right. don't actually like I like bypass them. My brain doesn't even process them. It's like, nope, keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it's tricky. I mean, unless like to me, I felt like I knew there was a market for that onesie, but um, just like you knew there was a market for that ugly Santa Claus. Exactly. See, now that's a perfect, that's a perfect example. My Santa. As it was that thing sold. 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 Yeah. And then I found another one. Um, But yeah, I have to say personally, I, I struggle picking up ugly sweaters. Like it's just not my jam. I don't love ugly sweaters myself. I don't know if that makes me not fun, but like, I'm just not an ugly sweater person. Um, and I, I actually have more appreciation for like the vintage stuff that is like, looks like an ugly sweater, like a vintage eighties grandma sweater Mm. from Christmas. Like I like that more than like the cheap acrylic ugly sweaters that they try to charge $25 for. And then, you know, like, but I do pick them up occasionally, but it's just like, I don't like it. So I probably don't buy a lot of ugly stuff to answer that question. I have never worn a Christmas ugly sweater ever, ever. (laughs) It's not my thing. Sorry. (laughs) The best ugly sweater Anthony bought was at Target and it was, um, it was an ugly Christmas sweater and it was from, do you watch Stranger Things? Uh, My husband does. I don't, I know. I'm a weirdo. Well, we love it so much, and I'm sure a lot of people watching, um, listening, love it too. But, you know, there's a scene where, you know, the son's in the wall, and he's trying to talk to his mother, and then she puts the Christmas lights up on her wall with the alphabet, and, Mm -hmm. you know, he spells things out to her. So there was a Target ugly Christmas sweater with that, like with just all the letters, and it had like a little battery pack, and the letters lit up. I thought it was pretty awesome. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> That's okay. Next question. What tips or advice would you give to a new reseller? Who would be a good mentor in the community? Um, so my number one tip to someone who is brand new is to mm-hmm. take the information that you see online and you don't have to mimic it, but use it to help you create your business plan as to how you want your reselling business to be. So don't take what everyone says as gold and try different things out and see what works for you and, you know, use it as a guide, I guess the best way to say it. Yeah. I like that. I like to, um, to piggyback on that. I always, um, I say, look at reselling advice from YouTubers, from podcasts, from whatever friends as a cafeteria and you go through the cafeteria and you pick and choose what you want to put on your tray Yep, and then check out, you know, because certain things like I say this all the time too, like every time I listen to someone, even if it's someone who I don't enjoy, like I I feel like I listen and I think, oh, I know I don't want to sell that or, you know, like whatever. I feel like there's something to be learned from everybody. And, um, and yeah, you just kind of, and it, it's, 
I think it's hard sometimes to give blanket answers because even what I would have said six months ago is different than how I manage my business now and will right. probably be different than I manage it in six months. So it is forever evolving. So you just start somewhere. Probably good to start with things that you like. Um, and and I, I do think it's pretty important to start by running comps on things to just get an idea of what is actually selling for something. Because I remember the first time I went to Savers with the intention to sell. I picked up a lot of like bohemian style tops that I thought were really cute. And I was very confident like, oh, this doesn't need to be a name brand. This is just cute. And it actually has sat for a very long time. I mean, sometimes you see those super unique pieces. And I, I do have a lot of those trust your gut pieces that I will still pick up. But that's after being in this for a year and a half. You know, I think when you're right. first starting, I think comps might be even more important than when you're experienced. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I do think that's important. And I also think it's probably good to have a good inventory system right away because I am still working on mine. And I think if you start small with your inventory and you develop good habits, um, that can carry as your business grows. And if you start without a system and your business grows, it's hard to play catch up. I also think it's important to start with items that you have in your own home first before you go nice. out and mm -hmm. spend a ton of money because you don't need to do that. Create your base first, use items that are in your closet that you want to get rid of, and then use that money that you've now made from items in your home to then go out and buy inventory. Yeah. Another and thing I didn't do. No, that's that's a great, great tip. And like when you when you shop at the bins and stuff's like $2 a pound and you feel like I can take chances with this, you can definitely take chances with stuff mm -hmm. in your closet that you're one step away from donating. Like you can really make a lot of mistakes with things in your closet before you go out and shop. I think that's the best way to make a mistake too because then you figure out what you actually enjoy selling and what you, you just despise even listing. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I know there's certain things in my closet that I just won't even bother listing. I'm just going to donate it because I don't want to. I, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't care if I make any money on it. I just want it out kind of thing. So it, it just, yeah, it just, I, I really do admire the people that will just sell anything. I mean, and yeah, and those, I agree. You know. But again, like we're coming from different places. Like if if I was paying bills with my reseller money, mm -hmm. I probably would be less fussy about what I chose to sell. And if it's something that sells, if it's something that makes money, I would sell it, you know? So right. I think you and I have to be careful about that. Like just, I'm speaking for myself because sometimes, you know, if somebody is trying to go full-time or leave a full-time position to do this or whatever, those are things that they might want to consider, you know, yeah, if I it does make money, well, maybe it's not fun to list, but guess what, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I need to list it. So I agree. I think if it if this is your full time gig, then you can't have as much leeway. You mm -hmm. have to kind of list everything. Kind of, you know what we just said. Or is, just go to where the money is. If it's something that yeah. you know is going to make money, like I Find think the niche like electronics, like yeah. make my skin crawl. Like the thought of selling electronics is yeah. just awful to me. But if it makes money and, you know, I, I need, I have a certain amount that I need to make every month to reach my goals and pay certain bills or whatever, then I would probably find a way to sell it. But I think it's about yeah. finding your niche too. So there's some resellers out there that 
um, only sell shoes or only sell hard goods or, um, you know, they pick one market and that's all they do and they get really good at it. And that they way they're really good they, at it. There's something right. to be said for that. Yeah. And then you have a continuous stream of income, no matter what's going on in the world, you're able to maintain that because you're focused on just one thing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the different ways you can approach reselling. This is just our advice. You don't have to take it. I mean, you can yeah, yeah, it. no, for sure. Um, That's what it is. And, but in terms of a mentor, um, I think everyone in the community is a good mentor. I can't say there's like one person that's better than another. We all kind of piggyback off of each other and we all support each other. And um, I think what's important in finding a good mentor is finding someone with characteristics or traits that you relate to. Right, right. Some people might relate more to Lori. Some might relate more to me. Some might not like what we say and that's fine you know there's but be, even outside of our podcast too like mm -hmm. uh, online if there there is that reseller that sells everything or yeah. like somebody like jenna who has um from empty closet who has a really particularly curated closet um that might be a an avenue someone wants to go someone might be a more volume seller so if you have access to like lots of old navy target brands maybe you're going to be a volume seller where you're not selling things at a really high price but you're flipping them fast you know lots of yeah. 15 18 sales but not many 50 dollars sales um and, or maybe you're like a retail arbitrage person and someone like mogi beth would be a great reference because she sells a lot of in like the deal queen right like retail arbitrage retail arbitrage and like higher end stuff where you have a lot of money to invest but i mean they're they're all very different um, business plans, so to speak. And you would just find the one that you relate to the most or something that you want to learn more about and kind of go that way might be helpful. Yeah, I agree. I can't say that there's like one person over another that I consider a mentor. I think I, the relationships I've formed with many people in the community have all helped shape me to be who I am now. So thank you to all those people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh. I, I mean, yeah. And, and again, like I said, like the people who I watched six months ago is a little different now. I feel like right now I'm watching a lot of people who are content creators and specifically yeah. looking to see how I can do better on YouTube specifically. Um, and I'm not watching as many hauls or, you know, like what supplies to buy or things like that um, because I feel like I kind of have a handle on that. But it's also circular. Like there are certain times like a video will pop up and it's something I feel pretty, pretty confident about, but I'll watch it and, you know, I'll always like, you know, oh, I never considered that or I should try that brand or whatever. So it's kind of fun. It's nice that we have so many resources available to us now because even a year, like well, probably two years ago, like there just, there just weren't as many people to um, look to. So. Well, let's just give a little shout out right now to the blog post that Poshmark just put out whenever it was. Oh my gosh. I yes. <laughs> How awesome is it? It's a Poshmark has this blog that just came out and it lists, um, different podcasts that you can listen to. Now it's not just reseller related. They have like one on true crime and stuff. They have another one on just business entrepreneurial content. And then there's a reseller related one and we made the list, which was awesome. Leslie's on there. Uh, Denali's on there. So it, it was really nice to see that. Um, so thank you. Poshmark. Yeah, that was, that was actually really nice. Thank you, Poshmark. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so Leslie is a re reseller's podcast and and Denali is flip the script so and there was one other one who I would love to shout out yeah, I just wasn't I don't familiar know with it me neither I don't know who it is um let me see if I can pull up 
Yeah, because just because we don't know them, but but there were only four listed, right? Yeah, there was only four of us that were listed. And of course, now that I want to go to it, I can't wait. Here we go. It's loading. But yeah, one of them, I don't know who they are, but now I feel like I need to... Oh, I definitely want to check them out. Poshing Together. Oh, it's linked. Oh, they linked us. Okay. Poshing Together by Christina. I'm going to butcher her last name. Dune, D-U-E-H-N. Well, I'm going to subscribe right now. Looks like she just started this year. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to and actually, our friend April also has um, a podcast yes, that I've does. listened to a couple of her episodes and really enjoyed it. Uh, she has a great, I don't know, I like her voice. I like her rhythm on um, her podcast. But what is April's? Um, oh, hold on. Uh, it, it's like a don't thrifter's voice. April. No, a pod, a pod. Oh. Hold on. A reseller's voice, I think, is what it's called. Maybe. This is awful. I know. Sorry. This is so bad. What's so bad? <laughs> that we're taking a couple minutes to look? Ah, the reseller's voice. That's it. That we don't know it off the top of our head. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. I know. I don't, I don't know my kid's name off the top of my head some days, so <laughs> I don't feel too bad. The reseller's um, voice podcast. That's, that, that's it. Yes. And I really enjoy hers too. And, um, she interviews, um, she interviewed the young girl, Boston Posh, I think is her name. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so it's nice. So like, I like that one too, because it's kind of a Northeast thing. She's interviewed some people from our area, which is pretty cool, but yeah, there's a lot going on in the podcast world. And that was a really pleasant surprise last night. That was yes. quite an honor. Very nice. Yes. 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 Okay. Our next question here is, what do you need to do to transition from part-time seller to full-time seller? What, ste what steps would be necessary to take and how, when, how slash when should you do it? Um, it's a loaded so, question. Yeah. Let's, let's chunk it out here. So the part-time yes. full-time seller thing. I think if you want to become a full-time seller, you need to build up a savings account that would sustain you for at least three months. Because look at what we're in right now. Look what's Correct. happening right now. If somebody had kind of like jumped into this, again, to, to circle back to the question, like, are you the main um, provider of finances for your family? Like for me, it was like, I could wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to do this full time and I'm just going to put more hours in. But I was a stay-at-home mom and I was a part-time, I was working part-time at the time. I was nannying, working on American Girl and doing reselling. And then I just eliminated the other two pieces of that and then dedicated all my time to reselling. So I didn't have to like per se put money aside because I was just kind of making this transition. But if you're looking to replace a full-time income, then yes, you, you should definitely be saving money for that. Yeah, I would say at least three months worth. I mean, I'm an overachiever, so I'd probably save six months worth because you don't know what's going to happen. Look at what's going on right now. This is a perfect example. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know when things will reopen. We don't. We have no idea. There's no way of knowing when things are going to start reopening again. So let's say it takes three to four months to reopen and you only have a month or two's worth of income saved up and you are now self-employed, so you technically cannot file for unemployment unless... Uh, the federal government puts in place the disaster relief fund. So mm -hmm. what are you going to do? That's yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You have no other income coming in. Now, if you, let's say just recently, a couple of weeks ago, left your full-time job, well, now you'd be able to collect unemployment. So you'd be fine. But if you have been doing this for, I don't know, over a year's time, you don't have any wages that are going into any, any unemployment system. So it's only what you have. And if you don't go have, into that. Right. If you don't have any money saved, 
how are you going to provide for your family if all resources are taken away from you? Like you yeah. really, you have to take what's going on in the world today and really apply it to you wanting to go full-time because this could happen again. We don't know. We've never experienced this before. I mean, these are really crazy circumstances, but yeah, I mean, you do have to plan for a rainy day. And I think another way of looking at it is perhaps you could just add um, a couple hours a week. I mean, not, I mean, sometimes I feel like you're a part-timer working full-time hours, maybe not this week, but in the past, you definitely have um, handled this like a full-time job. And I think a lot of part-time people do that. Um, so maybe really pay close attention to the hours you're putting in when you consider yourself part-time. Yep. You know, are you part, part-time like 15 hours a week, maybe listing five items a week, or are you part-time listing five items a day and putting in about 30 hours a week and maybe just building on that until you hit a point where you start seeing consistent sales. Maybe you have like a really nice routine down, you're budgeting how much you're spending in a month, like just kind of get all your ducks in order and record it. Sometimes I I base my opinions off of emotions rather than facts for me. Yeah. I'm a pretty emotional, touchy-feely kind of person like, oh, this felt good. And yeah, I think that was right. And then I look at my numbers and I'm completely wrong. So <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're actually writing things down, like, well, today I, I listed items or I photographed from 7.30 to 9.30 and then I listed from 2 to 5 and then I shared from 7 to 9 and then I did inventory from you know, whatever, 10 to 11. And then you add up those hours and just kind of really analyze what you're doing and then see how you can build on that until you get to the point where it's self-sustaining and you have like a nice rhythm going and you're bringing in enough revenue that you can kind of make that transition to full-time. That's considering like we are not in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, that would be right. under more normal circumstances, I would say. Yeah. But yeah, if you just build slowly on it until you feel like you have your footing and then maybe make that transition. Yeah, and also maybe putting into place some other forms of income. So, you know, like the affiliate program, or maybe you're selling stuff through um, Craigslist, or, you know, is there anything else you can do? Maybe that's even unrelated to reselling that you can supplement for a rainy day that can kind of help until you get to that point. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think having the business plan and all of those behind the scene pieces put together before you fully transition is very important. And I think that is probably the number one critical necessary step you have to take. And I don't think there's like a right or wrong way to do it. I don't think there's a right time you should do it. I think it really depends on the person's circumstance and what financials look like. That's really what it comes down to. Sure. Yeah. That's a good question. Yep. Good question. Very good question. Um, Oh, and this, okay. So those were the questions that we got for the week. And then I pulled a couple of one question, <laughs> my big contribution. Um, <laughs> I, I had a viewer ask um, how I stored shoes. And I think I answered it um, maybe in a video in the past, but we laughed at this question because I feel like shoes can like make or, bla- make or break your space. Oh my um, God. My because- shoes are in totes. They're like, in, some are in totes and some are in big reusable tote bags, just hanging out. They, they don't have a home. They just all hang out together. Oh my gosh. And my shoes are just like, they live in so many different places. Like, (laughs) you know, my famous wine rack that houses all my flats. Okay. So I have a wooden wine rack that all my flats are in, which is like inside, like the unfinished part, like closet of my basement where there's like a refrigerator and our water tank and we store our bags of pellets. Like, 
That's my wine rack <laughs> shoes. Then I have a closet with like individual brown, very sturdy boxes um, that are marked and they are stacked. I think I have six boxes stacked and some are, some say men's shoes, women's heels, you know, kids' boots. And, and they're just, they're stacked that way. And then I have two other separate racks. I have one rack that's all fold, filled with ankle boots. And I have another rack that's under my basement stairwell that has like everything else. I am like, but it's organized. Like it's at least organized right now. <laughs> and it, they used to be all over my floor and just everywhere. And um, I even have stored my $100 plus valued shoes, like my Pradas, Gucci's. I have a couple of nice pairs of shoes that I've stored on top of one of my huge, like well, one of my storage where I keep all my bins like literally have them up out of the way so that should they sell or get an offer, like I know exactly where they are. Yeah. I feel like I miss, like, I don't know where some pairs of shoes go. I think I throw them in the bottom of tote bags where there's clothes on top and then I'm searching everywhere trying to find it and I have to dump everything out. This mm-hmm. is, this is my life. This is my life. But for people who want to do it in an organized fashion, unlike <laughs> Not like AI. us. <laughs> Let's talk like dreamland right now. So I know there are people who store them in the USPS shoe boxes that you can get for free. You can order them for free and people will assemble the boxes and put the shoes inside the boxes, like ready to go. Genius. Um, Which I did for a short time. But what you will quickly learn um, is not all shoes fit. Like I'm like, okay, well, these shoes fit, but what am I going to do with my boots? And then once I have them, where am I going to stack them? And then they get taught, like if if you're putting them in all in cardboard boxes and you like have them five high, they get heavy on top. They shift a little bit. I love this idea if you have like a really a good space that makes sense. So even if it's like on a shelf in a closet and you can do like maybe three high and eight across or 10 across, and you can fit like 30 shoes in those USPS boxes and people just seal one side and then they leave the front part open. And so when they sell, they just pull them and then you can package them however you package them to ship them out. What a dream. Um, Isn't that a dream? Yeah. That's kind of a, it's a cool idea if you have the space Mm -hmm. for it. Um, I actually, somebody did ask me like, can I ask you why you just don't put your shoes in your bins? And I was like, you know what? You can. And that's actually a really good question. Um, And after that, I I have one bin that has sneakers only and they're like smaller. They're like women's sneakers. Um, And I do store those in a bin because I feel like they stack easy and they're not like, I don't like to stack heels because I feel like a heel can scuff the leather on another shoe or there's too many things that I feel like could go wrong with like heels um, or anything with like a soft leather, but I feel like sneakers are kind of, you know, they're squishy in a sense. Like, and so I, I do have probably 15 pairs of sneakers stored in one bin. Here's my um, reasoning for not putting heels or suede shoes or leather shoes together in a tote or, or a bin or anything is the transfer of color. Cause that's happened to me plenty. Of oh time. Yeah. And then you can't, mm-hmm. you can't sell the shoe anymore because it's almost impossible to get that transfer of color off. It's very That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. So um, my dream, my dream um, storage system is if anybody follows Lavender Clothesline, she sells hard goods and clothing, um, but she has an entire warehouse set up in her basement 
super organized. And she has like literally like a shopping cart when she sells things, she goes down to her basement and she rolls the cart to all the different sections of her basement, basically goes shopping and pulls her inventory and then brings it upstairs. That's um, wonderful. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. And then so for her shoes, she packages all the shoes in plastic first and inventories them. And then she has literal shoe racks. I mean, so you really need a lot of space for this, but this is my dream. Um, so she has literal shoe racks that she, she first wraps the shoes. So she must clean them, prep them, wrap them, uh, inventory tag them. And then she sorts them on these racks and she goes down and she literally just pulls them off the shelf, like as if she's a real store. So that's probably a very small fraction of us who can do that, but it's still my goal and dream in life. <laughs> I need to just wrap up my shoes before I throw them wherever I throw them. Why don't I already do that? Well, right, because then you don't have to worry about the transfer of yeah. color. Yeah, if you do prep them sometimes, I I do it with my expensive shoes. You know, those crazy white heels that I have for like $350 with the studs, those are wrapped right now. So wherever they go, they're protected. So I just need to start wrapping my shoes. Yeah, that's what I just started doing. Yeah. See that? That was good. That was good. So we didn't think this question would be good, but it's good. Yeah. Now you have an action plan, Daniela. I do. I do. <laughs> Lord knows when. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to our take it or leave it segment. So yes. today we're doing brands and not so much categories. Yeah. I like it. I like this. I do yep. too. Okay. All right. Our first one is Eileen Fisher. Um, Eileen, you know, I like Eileen. I'm so mad. I have a dress that I listed and got a $55 offer and I didn't, I countered and, um, I'm mad at myself. I just dropped the price to 15, 55. Eileen is, I pick her up in good condition. I pick her up if she is more current, I pick her up in larger sizes. Um, I, I do think she's good. People say she sells better on eBay. I would know that because I don't list frequently enough to know. I think most of my Eileen Fisher has sold right on Poshmark. Um, I have certain pieces that move super quickly. I have certain people's that certain pieces that have sat for a year. So I don't know. I like her linen. So yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I take it most of the time though. Yeah. I, do. I, I take it out as say like maybe 70% of the time. Um, I will take her organic cotton. I'll take her linen. I'll take silk. Those are the three that I definitely will take. And, um, and maybe, uh, what else? Jackets. Like I have a leather jacket of hers. I've sold two leather jackets that are Eileen Fisher. Uh -huh. um, and I think her dresses do well. Her, I was going to say her dresses. So I have a couple of merino wool dresses. I have um, a silk dress. So I kind of stay to those, you know, organic cotton, linen, silk, leather. Like those are the things I kind of lean towards. The um, Like if it's a plain t-shirt or like, you know, something very basic, I'm not going to grab it. Um, I have a pair of Eileen Fisher jeans that I've had for probably almost a year now that still haven't sold. Oh, it's funny you should mention that. It was I was just waiting for you to pause um, because I had I bought a pair of Eileen Fisher jeggings in an extra small. They were extra small or small. I'm pretty sure they were an extra small. And um, I was like, these are never going to move because I just don't, I mean, I don't think Eileen Fisher is known for jeggings of all things, <laughs> not right. even jeans, like jeggings. So um, I picked them up and they sold for $39 in like, I don't know, within a month or so. And that. I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, I think jeggings across the board are just a wonderful thing. Spandex, that 
goes over my stomach. Like just love them, love them. <laughs> um, so, I rise. <laughs> I rise. Like you can't go wrong. So mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised with that. And then, you know, like this um, Eileen Fisher dress because I got an offer on it so quickly. It's like a evergreen lag and look maxi dress, very oversized. Um, I got an offer on it immediately. And so I thought this was going to sell. I thought I may have underpriced it at $75, countered on the $55 offer. And now it's been silent for like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It's been several weeks, probably a month now. So yeah, I I feel like I missed my opportunity on that one. That might've just been timing. But yeah, she's a good girl. She is good. good. And her resale, so her retail value is a lot higher than the resale value. For sure. Out there. Because the retail Mm -hmm. value is like anywhere from 200 to 700, depending on what it is. Resale, you're looking between that 35 to $75. Sometimes a little higher. Sometimes depending on what. Yeah, sometimes a little lower. Yeah, I think she has quite a range with the reselling. Mm -hmm. Um, But still a very good quality brand. Yes, I agree. Okay, the next one is Tori Birch. Uh, Tori Birch, I like a lot. I don't find her very often. Um, I had an experience with two of her dresses that sat for a very long time, like two pieces that I was really super excited when I found them, and then they sat forever and both ended up selling, I would say, a little bit south of $40, maybe $40, $45, but I'm thinking more between like $35 and $40. And initially, I priced it like at 70, you know, because, you know, her dress probably, the dresses probably retail in like that $300 mark. I think their flats do very well with the Tory Burch hardware. Um, but I don't find her a ton, but when I do, I, I will pick it up. I like her tunics. Um, I, I don't, I don't find it that often. What about you? I find that Tory Burch shoes and handbags are really the way to go. Um, her clothing definitely sits and it doesn't sell for as much as you think it would. If I mm-hmm. find it, at a low price point, I just send it to the real real. I don't even bother. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the shoes and handbags, I will list myself because it will sell. And they'll sell at a pretty good rate. So, um, yeah. I actually have a couple Tory Burch handbags. They're, they're totes that I haven't used in a while. I should probably sell them. Um, they're they're very classic. I think they would sell well. Um, and I think I paid like 300 for it when I when I did buy it. But um, Another one, retail's high, resale, not as high. Not as high. Okay. Um, but I like her stuff in general. I, do. I, I like Tory Burch stuff. Like I, I, I would, I would still be excited to find it, but yeah, um, definitely the clothing that I've had has definitely sat. I haven't had much, but Diane von Furstenberg. Oh, she's been sitting a lot for me I lately. Know. I know. You know, when it comes to Diane, I would say, I like how we're, we're naming them as if, you know, we know like them. Like they're our friends. Like yeah. We went to yeah. Lunch with them last yeah. week. Diane's doing great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Diane von Furstenberg, I would say wrap dresses are really where it's at, but don't mm-hmm. anticipate making a ton of money on it. Like the resale value on Diane von Furstenberg is not what it once was even a year ago. Um, I feel like I associate it with a more mature crowd. Um, yes. I don't even know that like, my daughter would even know who Diane von Furstenberg is. Probably or not. Or Eileen Fisher, but she would know Tori Birch, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So 
Uh, I've had I've had a dress. It's not a wrap dress, but it has just sat forever, and it's beautiful. And I was really excited for it, and it's just sat forever in a day. And I recently picked up like a merino wool, very beautiful cut on it. I think it's gorgeous, um, like a black merino wool dress, like a very like low sweetheart neck, tailored beautifully. And um, I went on to the real real because that's one of the items I have pulled to go out with my next order. And even on the real real, they're listed like at fifty dollars. Yeah, so, I, I was just gonna say that I, anything that sits that's Diane von Furstenberg, I send to the real real, and um, I don't pay a lot for Diane, knowing that I'm probably not gonna make a ton on it if it doesn't move on Poshmark, and I just send it there, and I, I take I take the money, whatever they price it at, I take it. There you go. That's yeah. good. Yeah, it's just yeah, certain brands you just ship off and don't get too attached to it and off it goes. So yep. yeah, I think that black dress might go, although yeah, I don't know. We're heading into warm weather, but it's a really pretty dress. Um, because I have it listed right now, it's not moving. So that will probably be one that I pull and send. All right. The next one is top shop. Big no from me. Big no. Um, I'm yep, getting yep. more to the Topshop is one of those brands that I always heard resellers talking about. Um, I think of it kind of like a Zara. Do you? Yeah, that's basically what it is. But now that they don't have any retail stores anymore, it's just, I, I can't, I can't do it. It's just going to yeah. sit. Well, I have a co right now that sat with them from them for a while. I had one piece that was like a two day flip, like it flipped really fast, but it didn't flip for a lot of money. But I think it was one of the first pieces. I want to say it was a skirt. And it was one of the first times I had ever found Topshop. And I had heard so many people talk about it. I think it was like when I found that Fit Fab Fun robe um, that was Show Me Your Moo I didn't care that it was Fit Fab Fun. I was just so freaking excited that I found Show Me Your Moo that I probably would have paid 20 bucks for it. And <laughs> I only paid like four, but it's it's just sat forever. And I feel like I've heard that from a lot of people about Show Me Your Moo that it was like one of those fun brands to find and but now people are seeing that it sits a lot and I think that's a big I think people find it a lot in the south but that's not the brand we're talking about but Topshop was similar for me in that respect that I heard people talking about it so I picked it up a lot in the beginning and it just sits and right now I have like a wax coated um, jacket that's really cool it's like hip length belted and it's Topshop. I think I paid $10 for it at Savers and it's just sat. And I'm kind of at the point where I have a few Topshop pieces in my closet and I'm probably not going to pick it up until these sell and then reevaluate. So I think I'm passing on it more now. Yeah. I have a pair of jeans that are super cute and I've had them for probably six or seven months and I've relisted them four times and they're oh, still just sitting there. So yeah. That this is why I say no to Topshop because it's yeah. just the other thing too is the uh, thrift store tends to mark it up anyway, and I know my resale uh, value on it's not going to be that high, so it's just not worth me. Even it's hard that. to find the value in that, yeah. So maybe maybe Topshop's like a bin bins brand if it's like yeah. a really trendy piece, maybe. Yeah, I could do that. I could do yeah. a bins a bins Topshop. I could do. Yeah. Okay. The next brand is Elizabeth and James. What are your thoughts on them? Um. Hmm. Last year at this time, I probably would have picked it up more so than I do now. Like I have a pair of Elizabeth and James jeans that I picked up uh, recently, probably my last time I went to the thrift store. So that was what, a month ago, a little mm-hmm. over a month ago now. Um, I have full intentions of probably sending it to the real real because I do accept it. Um, the, the resale value on Elizabeth and James just isn't great. I've only sold three pieces of Elizabeth and James. So I've only found it three times. Um 
So eh, I, it it's, doesn't excite me. Okay. Well, um, I've never found it. I mean, oh, I've seen really? it at TJ Maxx. Nope, never, ever found it. And um, I heard that they now have a diffusion line at Kohl's, which is they usually do. like the kiss they, of death. Yeah, they do. So that's another reason why I'd say, yeah, kind of stay away because you don't know where it's coming from. I would probably pick it up just because I haven't had it before and I would want to try it. Like I would definitely pick it up for the right price if it was a cool piece um, because I would think I would be excited because I've never found it before. Mm. So I would probably be a take on that. Um, you know, just, just a with the right, with the right circumstances, but I, I like their stuff. I mean, the, the pieces that I've seen at TJ Maxx, I have thought were pretty cool. And um, that is a company that's owned by the Olsen twins, correct? Yes, yes it is. Yeah. In case anybody's wondering, but yeah. Um, yeah, I would take it just because I've never found it. So I would be excited to find it. The next one is Lily Pulitzer. Um, I'm still picking up Lily. I, I pass on, I'm probably about a 50% pass on Lily. Um, yeah. But I still pick it up and I, I still sell it. I had a really interesting Lily um, story in my last YouTube video. And I, I can give it really quickly. But this, I think, is a, a good example of how I feel about Lily or what it does in my closet. I had this really cute strapless dress, um, pink gingham on the bottom, white on top with like a ruffle strapless. I have a brick background, which means it's been listed since October of 2018. Um, hasn't sold, started high, super excited that I found it. I think I paid like $5 for it at Savers. Sat for, I mean, it sold two weeks ago. So it sat for a year and a half. Um, just getting ready to pull it, to donate it, to do whatever. And I received a $20 offer on it and then I sold it. So right before that sold, I was shopping at Target again on a half off day or 20% off day on the same style dress, knocking them on the bottom, but it was blue with firecrackers. So like 4th of July, but like pink firecrackers, really cute, white top, slightly different styling at the top. I bought that very hesitantly because I'm like, oh my gosh, this other dress, which is pretty identical style-wise, has been sitting for a year and a half. Am I a fool to buy this? But I couldn't resist the price because it was like $5.49 and 20% off, something like that. It was going to be $4. And I'm thinking to myself, if that pink gingham one didn't sell, and now I'm buying this freaking firecracker one, if this one doesn't sell by July, I'm screwed because this is going right. to sit for another year and a half. Like, what am I doing? But I'm like, four bucks, I'm going to do it. So that one sold for $40. I listed it for $49 and I got a $40 offer on it within a week or two. Oh, wow. Sold. And then I got a, I don't remember the order if that one sold for first or the gingham one sold, but then the gingham one, I got a $20 offer and I would have sold that for $10 at this stage of the game. But two very similar styles, one sat for a year and a half, one sat for two weeks and received double the money. So that that's what like Lily Pulitzer messes with my head sometimes because I I've bought plus size maxi dresses that sold for $70. The target brand sold for $68 in a day. Wow. In the plus size maxi. So it's all over the place. I pass on a lot of the old tag Lily. Um, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I still think she sells, but if it's the, like the, um, like I have a fleece Lily Pulitzer, that's just a plain green fleece with like the palm tree and hot pink. It's been there for a year and a half. That's not moving. But I think the traditional loud, bright patterns for Lily, and I think it sells better in larger sizes. Yeah. I pick up a lot of the newer styles. Um, I don't pick it up often though, because I feel like it's always marked up so mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. so, so high and it's not I I know I'm not going to get that back 
or make anything from it, right? So uh, I'll pick it up if it's a current style. I like to pick up the dresses. I like to pick up the uh, skirts. Um, I did pick up a pair of shorts, Lily. It was my first time ever picking up Lily shorts and they sold within a week and they sold for asking price. So that was good. Um, you know, I just, I'm very picky with, with Lily. Yeah. Lily, Lily's cute, but I got to be picky. It's really cute. I know sometimes we give our stats. So I had four, five, nine, um, 13, 17 Lily items in my closet as of right now. Mm. And I only have four available. Oh, wow. I only have two right now. Which okay. means I've sold 13 pieces. So that's yeah. a pretty good sell-through rate for me. That is. Um, so yeah, maybe that's why, you know, she's cool with me. All right. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Moving <laughs> on. We took a long time on Lily. Um, all right. The next one, we'll go really quick with these. Prana. I only pick up Prana dresses. That's it. Oh, I like Prana. If it's in good condition, um, especially if it's a newer style, I pick it up. Um, I'm passing on like the boot cut leggings, like I'm passing on the Lululemon boot cut leggings. Um, but I feel like it's a brand that has done pretty well for me. I like Prana. That's a yeah. yes. And Theory. Um, new Tag Theory, yes, if it's priced at a, if it, the price is good on it, otherwise it's a no because theory tends to sit forever for me. Theory sits a lot for me as well, and I think the issue with theory is it's like a plain, it's like a classic it look, but it's also very blasé. Yeah. Um, so I've sold four theory pieces, and I have seven theory pieces available. So, you know, that is not that that's like a thirty percent sell through rate for me. Um, so I, I'm being more selective. I'm, I'm, theory is one of the things that um, I want to buy it, but when I do, I regret it. But I, I have to say, I'm usually a sucker for it, and I pick I it up and then too. it sits. Oh, <laughs> me too. I love I think it so I'm much. I'm a sucker for theory. I think I'm a sucker for it, but I've, I've lived to regret it a little bit. But my items that have sold, um, 35, 35, 35, and 55, those are my price points on my theory pieces. So you know, it's a, it's an above average selling price. Um, but the stuff will sit for a while. I guess it depends on how long you like to sit on your stuff. Yeah, you have to be patient with, with it. I tend to pick a lot of the um, silk pieces up. Mm -hmm. That's about it. I'm being very... Yeah. Happy. All right. I have a... Yeah, that's it. That's that. That was... I liked I liked those brands. Those are good ones. I think you need to pick the take it or leave it brands. All right. You That'll do a good my... job with it. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I do my best. All right, everyone. I think that wraps up our episode for today. I hope you're all doing well and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope we didn't go off on too many tangents that it was kind of unscripted. So that's the, that's the risk you take when you talk to Lori and Daniela unscripted. So we just kind of keep going and don't know when to stop, but now my stomach's growling and I need to eat. So yes, we both made sauce and meatballs today. So we are excited to hang up and eat. Um, but I hope everybody's doing well. Be safe, stay home and take care. We'll talk to you next time, guys. Bye. Bye, everyone.